about, did, did you go to, did, have you ever lived in Holly Springs? No. Dude, I knew a kid named Forrest in the fifth grade. <laughs> he was always fucking shit up. So I remember, you look vaguely like him, like you had the like crazy, he had the crazy beaver hair. <laughs> oh, dude, don't, that's not, that's, I used to have beaver hair too. Then I grew up. <laughs> I don't give me a shit, Forrest. You got the Vans, the black Vans, the Vans t-shirt, the, the very handsome smile. Hey, hey, hey. You leave my man alone. Uh, Y'all make some noise for your next comic. The very strange and amazing Phil Warren, everybody. Phil. Like, it's not okay to be gay before some random guys. <laughs> That's like the only acceptable way to give people compliments anymore. Just to be like, what's up, dude? Great cheekbones. <laughs> I do that all the time. I've been doing it since I was a kid. Like, that's how I made friends. I guess that's what my black autism was. Because, like, if I really love somebody, I would use all three of their names. Like, my friend Kevin Mark Harrison. <laughs> I was like, KMH, baby, what's going on? And everybody said, oh, this guy's weird. He doesn't use anybody else's names ever. I've been having a lot of life problems. In a sense that, yeah, I don't have any problems anymore. I was a spoiler to that joke thing set up there. Because <laughs> I did a lot of acid. I figured out I had, like, I got my taxes back. I bought a half a sheet of acid. I was like, I'm going to do this. Every day for a week. I had a fucking idea. I, was like, I got it for a deal. You think you're gonna sell acid? You buy half a sheet of acid. You never sell any of the acid. What's so they don't tell you on the internet. But what are you guys talking about? Like, what are your young people problems? Oh, shit. Yeah, because I've been on the internet, and it seems like college kids at UNC are feeling unsafe, and I want to make you guys feel as safe as possible. So what's going on on campus? Anything crazy? How to find acid. How to find acid? Okay. <laughs> Let me tell you this. Do not try to get it at Whole Foods. Um, <laughs> first time I ever, I went on Craigslist and I was an idiot. <laughs> I typed in shrooms under Chapel Hill Craigslist. And then like, I searched weirdly hard and it, like, it took me like 45 minutes. But scroll down far enough. Found some guy in Carlborough. He's like, okay, I give you a deal. I give you a pound of shrooms and an ounce of weed for three hundred dollars. So that's a good fucking deal, man. I don't know. It's way too good to be true, but I was so fucking stupid. I met him at uh, Harris Teeter in the parking lot. And the funny thing was, when he got a car, he like one of those like crackhead white guys you see, and like uh, like what's those things called? Oh, fair. A carnival, like a hard, like carny dude. He like riff rap if he was on meth. Like skinny riff rap, he had like reflective shades on, so I knew that was a red flag. Like, you know, like a shroom guy. I expected a tie dye shirt, some sandals. He had on like really baggy jeans that like he just got out of jail, which he just did. I didn't find out till later. But 
Yeah. We spent three hours talking. Like I had like I mean this whole black backstory. It was like, yeah, my mom or whatever. And I was like, you know, we were hanging out for like three hours. That's how I knew I should have known it was like a, a set up for a robbery. Some guy kept walking by in like a hoodie and a bike and checking in every couple minutes. I was like, yeah, this guy's people are really really friendly in Carlboro. Maybe something's going on here. Maybe everybody knows everybody. But sorry, cut you the fun part. I had three hundred dollars ready to go, <laughs> and he, I had his cell phone. And I was like, "It's gonna be collateral, just in case you don't come back." But people don't care about cell phones, <laughs> cause I fucking he's like, "Oh yeah, my friend, he had the shrooms in this office building upstairs. I'm gonna go out this back door and go up there again and come back." <laughs> and I just said it for like fifteen minutes. Like he's not going back, <laughs> and that's a fun thing to do. Like this happened like ten years ago, but it was hilarious. Cause like, do you some usually cry? You cry when you lose three hundred dollars. You don't get your dick sucked. Like prostitute situation, if I would, if that would happen, I would be a lot happier than just giving that guy three hundred dollars. Cause I'm a security guard. You see some kind of weird guy chilling around here lately. Like, oh yeah, I know that guy. His name's Nick, and he just got out of jail. See so you met him. And he said he was watching us on the cameras the whole time. I was like, oh. Well, I guess you guys are on the ball with your security in the ball hole. Then you decide that hurts to you. So yeah, that's where you get acid. Not really. <laughs> Let me think. I figured out the best way to get acid is to force your friends in college to figure it out for you. <laughs> and take all the risks. Like, I've turned so many of those regular white people into drug dealers. Like, Jack Chrissy is going to be the next kingpin. <laughs> You see him now. He's gonna be going down hard. The FBI is gonna raid his house. I'm gonna be somewhere in an undisclosed location because he does not know where I live yet. <laughs> that's why. I, that's why I keep my friends close. Uh, all right, Wills. I got a weird problem that uh, I'm trying to get people into not having sex. Woo! Yeah. Because I read an article. Facebook's already working, so I'm just gonna act like I caused it myself because of my shining example of. Yoda bullshit. But I did an experiment in life where I did a no faps thing that I'm proud of always talking about. Woo! Yeah. And it worked. Like, I didn't jack off. <laughs> yeah, six months. And I was at Food Line. And this old lady behind the counter, she like rubbed the inside of my hand when she's giving my <laughs> change back. And we had a flirty moment. She's like 75 years old. She can smell the cone leaking out of my body. <laughs> That's what happens, man. It's just like it's so stored up. You just pull a cheeky energy. And I was feeling like George Clooney. I was just straight in the eyes and we could have fucking could have been something in my life. But now, maybe knows it's some fucking liberalism. It's probably cool to be like a dude who dates like a seventy-year-old woman. Cause I need to get those social security checks. Technically, I'm qualified. I'm not crazy enough. Even though that's another story, I'll tell you guys later about pretending to be crazy, so you won't be responsible for anything you post on the internet. But yeah, I'll see you guys later. It's been fun.
Welcome to the podcast. So that last set was performed in front of a bunch of fucking high school students who randomly came to the pit at about 11 p.m. at the 11 p.m. mic. I went up last, so it was about midnight. Let me turn off Bluetooth so it doesn't fucking distort the vocals. Okay, here we go. So, yeah. That set was a story about the time that I got robbed trying to buy shrooms and weed in Carborough before I did comedy. Because it was on a night when there was a mic, but I was like, okay, if I pick up the shrooms, I'll get lucky. This will be the best mic ever. But I lost $300, so I was really sad. Because I was in Chapel Hill. In Chapel Hill, that was back when DSI was a thing. And then, you know, like, that was back in the days, and they give you, like, one minute for a mic, but whatever. News. Just got back from the Idiot Box open mic. Super fun. Got to see a lot of people go up for their first times. At least we had, like, two or two first-timers and one just first time in Greensboro from Charlotte. And everybody had a great set, so I don't think anybody had a bad set. That's what I love about Greensboro comedy is that since I started here five, almost and a half years ago now, I my whole thing about comedy was to try to do the opposite of what they say you should do. Because I just listened to the Joey Diaz Church of What's Happening Now podcast, and he said this thing that really stuck to me. Richard Pryor's wife was the guest on the show. She's talking about how you just go up there with no safety net, and just start talking about whatever and just figure it out. And some of it worked, some of it didn't, but he had the balls just go up there with no fucking safety net. And that's what I think everybody should have. Like, that's what I love about the Greensboro scene is that we give no fucks, but in a good way because we aren't scared to fucking go balls to the wall. That's what I love about the whole scene. Like, it's great. And I feel like I inspired a little bit of that by just fucking doing career suicide from day one. Because to me, killing yourself off for, like, financial stability is the only way to actually get Kevin Hart level. I don't know. I don't know how to explain this, but I've been listening to podcasts for eight years before I even did comedy. And I heard all these origin stories of comics, and they're like mishaps and what happened the different levels they had to ascend through by like playing it safe and doing what you got to do to keep getting work which is a good thing and that's something i'm gonna probably start doing now after five years because it is a business but the business i don't know let me pause real quick yeah business is pretty much you you're selling yourself and your work and your ideas and mind it's real it's the the purest form of intellectual property is comedy because it's all original usually and i don't know i'm starting to get fucking sleepy out of nowhere i'm starting to lose my train of thought this is my favorite schizophrenia Mostly just because I'm thinking too hard about recording this episode because I haven't released an episode in a while because I accidentally changed the format of my recorder on my phone for my sets thinking it was going to make the fucking quality better. And now this won't upload. So I have 
like three or four episodes to just fucking sitting, and they're just set, so it doesn't really matter because some of the sets were good, some of them weren't. But I don't know. I love doing this thing where I just release all of my comedy. That's another thing about like not giving a fuck is showing your faults. Because to me, the new wave of comedy is not about having a special or like a showcase case or a tight set. People like raw and uncut and just dirty shit. It's not really dirty, dirty, not like dirty comedy. You can do clean, raw shit if you're really good, but you just got to hit them with some shit that they're not expecting. Like, if they can start seeing your framework or your formula for your jokes, it'll start getting stale, and they won't tell you. They'll just kind of be silent, and you might not figure it out just because of perception, so... I don't know. Okay, keep forgetting where I'm going with this. This is why I can't hold my phone. This is the funniest part of podcast. I'm just like I'm holding the phone and driving and recording a podcast. This is something they say you can't do because it's unsafe. But I'm like, bitch, I've been fucking texting and driving since I was 16. <laughs> That's what the government wants you to know. It's just like shared experience or morphic resonance is what I heard about. Like they say about rats, how they can learn a maze from the other side of the country if one rat learns it, and it teaches all rats all over the world like a collective consciousness type deal. It's really cool, and it got me to thinking about my dad's mental illness and his trauma because he got hit in the head. Like that's what I finally figured out. He finally admitted to me the reason. Well, one of the reasons why he went crazy. Because first, I knew he walked in his mom having sex. He didn't tell me the part about she beat the shit out of him every time he did anything to try to, like, kill him. I didn't know, because what I did know that my dad had two twin brothers that died. The last two kids my grandma had, they died randomly really early, like two, one or two years old. And I was thinking, maybe she killed him. Like, But the thing is, I remember my grandma being this sweet lady. We just sat and complained about temperature for no reason. I remember this one time she asked my grandpa to put another piece of wood on the fire. And it was like 85 degrees. It was middle of fucking summer. Got off the school bus, blazing ass hot. And she was like, can you put some more fire, some more wood on the fire, Toby? And I was like, damn, this bitch is crazy. But I knew everybody in my family was crazy at a young age. I just didn't say shit about it. I, mean, I said shit occasionally to piss off my dad. But I remember once I called him a coward when I was 10. I almost got punched in the face. <laughs> no, he just got real mad. He was just like, that was the word you just don't call him, coward. But he was a coward because he never faced his demons. Like, whatever was going on in his brain that made him, like, resent women and his whole, like trauma his mom being super abusive and like I guess having no outlet for it because it was the old days and you couldn't just call child protective services and even if you did they might put you with the wrong white people you might end up getting butt fucked instead of just getting brain dead abuse out of <laughs> but yeah but the thing is can you really blame trauma can you really be like sad about it if it made you a person who you are today and that makes you a person who loves life and loves people and loves creating shit that's how i figured out about my dad he never he i think he, he was a creative guy he like did a lot of cool stuff he's really good with cars he can build engines from scratch like he built a volkswagen in the backyard my mom told me that's how cool my dad was 
growing up. And that Volkswagen is still there. Like it's still rusted out shell of an old 73 Volkswagen Superbug in my in the woods behind my house. A tree grew up through it, so you can't remove it at all, but still there. Uh tangent. Oh, creativity and not facing demons. Cause his whole thing was he was traumatized, but also programmed with super Southern Baptist Christian values or just ideas or memes that kind of caused him to get even more mentally ill because he kept just resisting the things he needed to do to get be a better person, which is talk stuff out and research and try to figure out things on your own. Because really, you can't trust doctors because they're the ones who just put them on shit and let them take them for 27 years and didn't ask them any questions or tell them to go to therapy or anything. It's dosed them heavy. The worst part about it was they wrote him a Viagra prescription. I was like, you know this guy's a sex addict. You know this guy's been abused by women, so he might become an abuser if he wasn't properly deprogrammed from that kind of mentality. But yeah. I mean, you don't hate him. He never physically hurt any woman, but he does mentally just abuse the shit out of him. He'll just, like, you can't have any friends, and he's jealous of everybody you do hang out with. He thinks you're going to cheat on him because he's insecure about everything. Just because that one moment. His mom destroyed his whole world very young. But I think trauma at a young age makes you psychic. Like, that whole thing about my dad's, like, being so scared of women or abused by them. I had that since I was born. Like, I was in kindergarten. First day, I noticed, like, my friend Justin had a girlfriend in fourth grade. I was like, why are people dating in the fourth grade? Y'all can't actually go on dates because y'all don't have cars. And I thought it was stupid at first. But then everybody else made fun of me because they're like, oh, you got a big-ass nose. You're ugly. You're not going to get a girl. And I was just crying every day. Like, I was the most depressed child ever. From four years old to like 23 I was super suicidal and just ready to go I was like nothing means anything I'm never gonna be happy my parents really don't love each other my dad hates my mom for some shit she never did and that's just I just never gave a fuck but I just started eating that was my thing I was like alright sad food makes me feel good, especially Oreo cookies. I would eat a whole row of Oreo cookies in less than a half hour. I'm just fucking sawing through them, getting that pleasure release. It's opiate. That's pretty much what it is. Like, certain chemicals or pretty much everything leaves a dopamine response, especially if it's like a sugary flavor. And I just kept going for that brain response, and it ended up making me like a 280-pound... I was fatter than I was in high school and elementary school. <laughs> I guess they force you to exercise when you're getting PE, so you don't get too fucked up. But, yeah. It's weird. Trauma is crazy. But I like trauma, though. I traumatize myself by making bad decisions. It's going to make me more, like, harder to do. But that's another narcissistic alcoholic thing. Like, create a new problem to distract yourself from the old problem of fixing yourself. But then I fix myself, and then, I don't know. This is a ramble cast. This is gonna be just the mind of me as I drive back to the. I don't even care. This is be part one. 
I'll record the rest of this tomorrow. <laughs>